Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now here's Pastor Crystal Sparks. We're so glad that you're here at the Church Roy City uh, today. We are excited about all that God is doing. Uh, we had started a new series. Uh, Brian actually kicked it off last Sunday on miracles. And it's been amazing to see what God has already done. We've been getting so many stories about people that have had financial breakthrough, uh, physical healings, all kinds of different things. And really what this whole series is about is that we believe that God wants to do something here and now. And that a lot of times I think we read the Bible as a fairy tale book of all oh, that's really sweet. It happened back then. And once upon a time, there lived this great thing and these great things happen. But I want to tell you that the Bible isn't to be read as a fairy tale. It's made to be read and gleaned from and said, this is the same God today that can do these things right now. And he's not only willing, but he's able. And so I believe that he's going to meet you to your level of expectancy. And so as we believe him for greater, God begins to show up with greater in our lives. And There was a lady um, that shared this story with me, and she's been coming to the church for a while now, and uh, she's been faced with a really hard situation. April, five years ago, her mother had a massive heart attack while they were on a cruise, and basically she went 20 hours without any medical attention. Whenever they finally reached um, back to America from Honduras, uh, they did a bypass, but because of the hours she went without medical attention, she had multiple organ failure. Through the years, she struggled physically and has never been herself. They finally sought out a vascular surgeon who brought in a team of people to look at her situation. And uh, these seven doctors met with the family, and they let her know that they could do a medical procedure, but the success rate of her to survive after the surgery was under 50%. So things looked bleak. Her sister would call her crying. And would tell her that they just need to keep praying. She said, I just believe that we need to keep praying. She started going to a small group. Isn't it amazing how a common thread in these is a small group? She went to a small group and they started believing God with her and praying together. She said, we went back to the doctor to do another scan to see how my mom's heart was doing. Because she was starting to feel better and be improved. She, She goes to the doctor and the doctor says, you are completely healed. There is no sign of infection or any damage done. Come on, somebody. Give up a big hand clap. She said, my mom continues to feel more and more like herself, and she is acting 100% better. Thank you so much for teaching us on faith. Let me just tell you that God wants to do something big, and this isn't just her story. Her story can become your story if you'll believe God. Amen. Amen. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 17, and it says this, And Elisha, the Tishabite of the temporary residence of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I stand, there shall not be dew of rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go from here and turn east and hide yourself in the brook of Cherith, east of the Jordan, and you shall drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he did, according to the word of the Lord. And he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. And the Lord, uh, and the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came 
came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her, bring to me a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have not a loaf baked, but only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a bottle. See, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and bake it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Man, that sounds like a bad day. That's She's Debbie Downer right there. And Elijah said to her, fear not, go and do as I've said, but make me a little cake of it first. Somebody say first. And bring it to me, and afterwards prepare some for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of meal shall not waste away, or the bottle of oil fail, until the day of the Lord sends rain on the earth. And she did, as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of meal was not spent, nor did the bottle of oil fail, according to the word which the Lord spoke through Elijah. Man, that's a good story. I love it. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, I just thank you that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, I thank you that every ear is open and receptive in this house. Lord, I thank you that every heart will be softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, declare in this place that every life will be changed, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. You know, I love this story for so many reasons, and I just think it's inspiring on so many different levels. But what I think is amazing here is here Elijah is, and they're in the midst of a famine, and the Lord tells him to go somewhere. And as he goes to this hidden place, God says, hey, I'm going to have the ravens bring you food. I don't know about you guys, but I've never had bird delivery grocery service, right? Um, God was the first to order your groceries online service. It's really nothing new, Um, but he made it up. So I don't know what kind of situation you're in in your life, but if you've never had birds deliver your groceries, you're doing better than Elijah, right? So he goes out to this place, and and the first thing I want you to see here in the story is that God is not limited by natural means to provide for you. And a lot of times I think we miss God because we think that God's going to provide and it's going to look like this. Um, Have you ever needed God to do something and you paint it out in your mind exactly how it's going to go down? And you think, oh, I'm going to go to this place, or I'm going to get, it's going to look like this, or I'm going to get a bonus at work, or whatever. And I'm always amazed because God is not limited to my plan. And actually, God does opposite of my plan. Whatever I think, God usually surprises me and does the complete opposite. Anybody else with me in this place? I'm always amazed by that. So here God is, and he's like, hey, I'm going to just show you that I'm God, and I'm going to have a bird come feed you for many days. I just want to say here that a raven is probably one of the nastiest most disgusting birds. I'll just say this, that sometimes it's most unlikely of people and and the people that you would think are are not going to be the ones that are going to do something big or the opportunities that look like there's no way that God will use those things. So never limit God. So here he is and he's there and he's getting fed by the birds and now all of a sudden his brook dries up and he has no water. And I've just found this in my own life, that oftentimes God will make things dry up in your life to get you willing to say yes to what he's about to do. God will get you uncomfortable, so then that way you'll be comfortable in your yes to what he asks you to do. Um, I remember before we started the church, we were in Sulphur Springs, Texas, uh, serving Brian's dad, my pastor. And I was happy there. I love it. Hey, being an associate pastor is a great gig. Um, you're, You're the second guy in charge. The pastor makes all the decisions, and you go, yeah, that's a great idea. That sounds awesome. 
awesome. He puts his name on the line for every financial obligation, and you just say, yeah, pastor, that's great. You show up, you serve, and you leave. You have no pressure of anything. It's really an awesome deal. And so we were there, and everything was great in our life, but God just started making us get uncomfortable. And, and whenever you read about eagles, a mother eagle will, whenever she has her baby, she will make the most lush, nice nest for that baby. And so whenever her baby hatches out of the egg, the baby's in this nice, soft, plush nest. But as the eagle grows up, the baby eagle grows up, the mother will begin to pull out all the feathers and everything that kept that little eaglet comfortable. And now it's going to get uncomfortable because it's on sticks and briars. And the whole purpose is, is the mother eagle knows it's time for that baby to fly. And if you're in a season in your life where you're feeling uncomfortable, it's because God's growing you. And he's about to move you into the next season. And so here Elijah goes from just plush, camping, everything's good, you know, eating from a bird. I don't know if that could be plush, but we'll go with it. Um, and, and now he's in a place of discomfort because his water source is gone. And the Lord speaks to him and tells him, hey, you're going to go from here. And you're going to be provided for by a widow. Okay, that's crazy. The place that the Lord was speaking about for him to go, just to get this in your mind, because I read the Bible and I have no clue what they're talking about. I wish I could change the locations and say, the Lord called for him to go to Rockwall to Roy City, because then I could picture it in my mind, right? Uh, so I've always read this and thought maybe it was just a little journey like Roy City to Josephine. But he's talking about this was a hundred mile journey. This is a long journey. And God says, hey, I want you to go 100 miles. And when you reach the end of that 100 miles, there's going to be a widow that provides for you. First of all, a widow does not sound like a likely source to provide for you. And and second of all, why do I have to go 100 miles to go get my groceries when you've been bringing it to me by a bird the whole time? And, And so I'll just say this. When God speaks, act. And obedience always feels good. Have you ever done something and, and God's got something on your heart? And maybe we wouldn't call it God putting something on your heart, but you feel like you should do something. Um, I was at the doctor with Nancy, and uh, don't worry, she was just pregnant again because she's always pregnant. She may be pregnant right now. We don't know. She's been pregnant twice in, t- in two years. I, the, the only way I know her is pregnant anymore. And um, so we were at the doctor, and she was pregnant, and um, I don't know which time. I just know it was a time. And uh, we were there in the doctor's office, and this girl comes up to us, and she's talking. And I'll give you hints on how to invite somebody for Easter. She's like, hey, yeah. She goes, I just moved to the area. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. She's like, yeah, me and my husband are really lonely. We have no friends. I'm like, oh, that stinks for you. I have friends. She's pregnant. That's why I'm here. I'm like, well, you're about to have a baby. That'll be your friend. No, I'm just kidding. So I'm talking to her, and the whole time I feel like, you know when your heart starts racing because you know you're supposed to do something? And I feel like I'm supposed to invite her to church. She's like, yeah, I'm really lonely, and, you know, me and my husband have just been going through a hard time, and we feel like we have no hope. I'm like, oh, well, that seems to be you, man. You have no friends. You have no hope. And I'm like, okay, cool. All right, well, we'll see you later. Bye. And we walk off, and me and Nancy walk away, and we both look at each other. We're like, why didn't we invite her to church? I said, I thought you were going to invite her to church. She goes, I thought you were. So we're going back and forth. Well, we run back to go try to find this lady, and we can't find her. She's gone. It was like God sent her there to see if we would obey and then had her raptured in the moment we didn't. What I'm saying is I went through the rest of that day, and I felt so down on myself. I'm like, man, God, I totally missed my opportunity. Even Brian was like, babe, God sent somebody to us. The funny part is, you all want to hear the really funny part? We were in a series about inviting people to church. 
living by example, guys. This is me right here. And I was like, man. But now I'll tell you on the flip side of that, when God's asked me to do something and my heart is racing and I feel really nervous, but I do it anyways, the rest of the day, don't you feel awesome? You're like, I did that. I invited them to church. I did that. I prayed for them. I, I helped them do something. And like the rest of your day, you feel great. Nothing feels as good as obedience. And now think about this. Elijah gets a word from God to go a hundred mile journey to find a widow. Now think about this. The text says that as he walked up to the gate, there she was gathering sticks. Obedience is always best in the moment. And think God knew the exact moment to tell Elijah to go. He knew how long it'd take Elijah to go 100 miles to find that exact woman at the exact place as he's walking up to the city. Now, think about all the details that went into that. Obedience is always best in the moment. If Elijah would have argued with God for a few moments, like I do sometimes, if he would have just gone, God, really, can I just sleep one more night? If he would have reasoned or used his logic to try to figure out different things, then he would have missed that moment. Obedience is always best in the moment. I'll just encourage you, if God's telling you to do something, do it. Just go for it because there's always going to be blessing on the other side. Now think about this. So here's from Elijah's point of view of going the hundred mile journey. Now think of it on the flip side. We've got a woman here. She's a widow. She's lost her husband. She's providing for her child. She is at I just think about this as a mom. I can't even imagine how broken her heart is as she's preparing to eat their last meal. She's at the end of her faith journey. This is it. She's believed God. She's trusted God. And it seems like all she's gotten is zeros. She's at a point where if we'd be honest, she'd look over her life and she has more disappointments than victories. She's at a place where she is in desperate need. And she doesn't even realize that God is talking about her a hundred miles away. And I just want to challenge you. I don't know where you are in your faith journey, and I don't know what you're believing God for, but I'll just tell you this. You never know who God's talking to about you. And what you may, you may not be able to see any sign of blessing, any sign of provision with your eyes, but that doesn't mean that somewhere across town, somewhere on the other side of the globe, that God could be talking about you to someone, and that someone's going to come with what you need. You know, it was funny, um, last Sunday, we put out little A-frame signs to kind of show you how to get to the church. How many of you guys see those little signs? Um, we get more people that tell us, those signs are like so awesome. It's like you guys are preparing for me. Like you guys thought about me coming before I came. Well, somebody thought they were awesome too. So awesome that they decided to take our signs last week. So when our dream team went out to collect our signs, they thought surely the Roy City gusts of wind had just blown them into a field. So they were looking for them. They couldn't find them. And all of a sudden they realized it was on the same road that they just picked them all off one by one. And those signs aren't cheap. And our church, we have plenty of money. We're doing just fine. We're not taking up an offering for signs. So we ordered the new signs first thing Monday morning. But, you know, when you're just kind of like, man, that stinks. You know, it stinks to buy something you already had. And so we go to the mailbox to check the mail. And in the mailbox, there was a check from another ministry. And they mailed us a check for nearly the exact price of those signs. Isn't that awesome? Now, I want you just to think about this. If we would have received that check two weeks ago, it still would have been awesome. But the fact that we got those signs stolen on Sunday, and on Monday when we needed the provision for those signs, God already had provided. 
So before the event ever took place, God spoke to the person that could give the money, and he already provided for what we were going to need. Why? Because our Heavenly Father knows what we need before we even ask him for it. So I just want you to think about this. In your life, you never know who God is talking to about you. The widow had no clue she was moments away from her biggest blessing. She had no idea what God was about to do. And I I think about this because in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is giving his inaugural message, if you will, his first message as the Messiah. And he's here speaking, and he references the widow of Zarephath. How cool is that, that she gets mentioned in his first sermon? And I think about it, and he says there were many other widows in that day, and none of them saw the miracle that she saw. And I I think about this story because you think this was a time of famine. There was a lot of people who were hungry. There were a lot of people who were destitute. There was a lot of people who were needy. But why did God pick that one woman? It was her faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. And how do you get more faith? The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Right now, as you sit in the service, you're growing your faith. I love what my pastor always says. He says, the time to grow your faith is not when you need a miracle, but it's before you need the miracle. When your faith grows, all of a sudden God begins to do something big in your life. No prayer that you ever pray is ever wasted with God. See, she had a faith in God. She believed God to do something great. And because she believed God to do something great, something great, he did. God will always meet you on the level of your expectation. So as we're um, walking through this, I want you to write down these four things. The first thing is, is that God always does more than what you need. He will always do more than what you need. How many of you know when you're broke, $50 is a blessing? God didn't want to just do a little something for her. The Bible tells us that this famine went on for three and a half years. And the Bible tells us that the oil and the flour never ran dry. Now, I'll also note here that it never said that the oil and the flour were full. It just said it never ran dry. In other words, God's always going to give you exactly what you need. And he's going to give you more than what you need as he does it. So here he is. He doesn't just provide a meal for her. He provides her three and a half years of food. How awesome is God? Just know that God will always give you more than what you need. He loves to show off. He loves to show off how big he is. Think about it. When God created the heavens and the earth and he put the stars into the sky, he didn't say, just let there be 10 stars. But there's so many stars that we can't even count them all. There's so many stars. Why? Because he's a God of abundance. He's a God of more than enough. And think about whenever he multiplied the loaves and the fishes, he didn't like do, I always say fishes. Do you do that on that story? I always want to say loaves and fishes. Even though I know fish is plural, I want to say fishes. Does anybody else do that? Okay, sorry, back on reality. So whenever he multiplied the loaves and the fish, to be grammatically correct, um, whenever he multiplied the loaves and the fish, he didn't do the calculation in his mind as God of all the universe and say, this is exactly how much we need. But it says that there were 12 baskets left over. Why? Because he's a God of abundance. He's not the God of El Chipo, El Broco. He wants to do more than what you need. He's more than enough kind of God. The third thing I want you to write down is what you do first will determine what happens next. What you do first will determine what happens next. I love this because Elijah tells her, he says, hey, listen, fear not, do as, do as you have said, but make me a little cake of it first and bring it to me, and then afterward prepare for your son. See, we read the Bible, Jessica, knowing what's going to happen. 
And I think that's what we miss out on is because we read it like, yeah, 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 tell me, tell me what's already happened. She didn't know that she was about to get provided for. She didn't know that she was about to get a miracle. I want you to think about this. Have you ever been hungry and been cooking in the kitchen? And, and you're eating everything as you cook it? In fact, I'm notorious for eating so much while I cook that I'm not even hungry when I sit down at the table. Anybody with me? I'll be mixing up cornbread batter, and I'm eating the cornbread batter raw just because I'm hungry, letting my kids eat it. I'm like, hey, who cares? It's raw eggs. It's fine. You're hungry. We're just going to do this. Think about this. They are starving. Her and her son are starving. Now, Jenna, can you imagine preparing a meal in your kitchen that you know is your last meal? And Gentry's crying at your side because he wants the food. And it's the smell of it is filling up your house. And he's waiting for the timer to go off. You pull out the food and you go past your son knowing that's all you have. And you go out to the prophet. Now think about it. This guy, she doesn't know. She's never met him. They don't have a relationship. Keep in mind, he was just living in a van down by the river. Eaten from birds. Walked 100 miles. You know he smelled bad. This guy's looking throw down. So this guy is not looking like a likely candidate for God to do something big. But did what? She trusted God. And she gave it to him. Now, just imagine. Again, you don't know what's about to happen. Put yourself in her shoes. Your son's crying as he's sitting by your side. And you're watching the man of God eat what you see is your last meal. And then after he's done... He says, go ahead and go prepare for you and your son. And you go back, and it's like the flour and the oil replenished itself. And this time you're making something that you can eat. I'll just tell you this. You can never come in second by putting God first. You can never come in second by putting God first. We don't ever know the end of the story when God asks us to do something. But I can promise you this, that you will never regret putting God first. Think about the Lord's Prayer. It says this, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now think about it. Pause right there. It puts God first in who he is first, and then it makes petitions. In our life, if God can stay at the forefront and then comes what we need, everything will always be taken care of. Ever. Always. I think about this. Um, God people are never forsaken. God's people are never forsaken. If God puts something on your heart, dear one, let me just tell you, trust him in it. I think a lot of times, I think when we get to heaven, there is going to be a huge room And God's going to take us in, and he's going to show it to us and say, this is everything you could have had if you would have just trusted me. Because I think we miss out on so much. She would have missed out on three and a half years of provision. So you can have, you can keep your little, or you can give it to God and see what he can do. Amen? This is the equivalent of her emptying her bank account. That moment was like her, it would be like me standing up here saying, Hey, guys, I want you to go empty your 401K, go empty your savings account and your checking account, and come bring it in here, and we're going to give it. And, man, God's going to do something great. Y'all would look at me like I was crazy. I would look at me like I was crazy. But she looked at it and said, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Just trust God with whatever he tells you. You'll always be glad that you did. Number three, write this down. What you have will always seem small. What you have will always seem small. I always hear people say this, well, Crystal, if I had something more, I'd do something big for God. 
If I had this, then I'd do something big for God. Crystal, when I make a million dollars, then I'll tithe. If you're not tithing on $100, you ain't going to tithe on a million. Because let me tell you, it'll be a whole lot harder to write that $100,000 check than it is to write out $10. Can I get a witness in this place? Some of you are saying, I'd like to let God try me on that. (laughs) But here's the thing, is that what you have will always seem small. The first ingredient for a miracle is an impossible situation. And think about the loaves and the fish. I said it right. The loaves and the fish looked small, but God did something big with it. I remember whenever God was calling us to start the church, I seriously was thinking in my mind, God, I am the most unlikely of candidates. I'm not from a pastor's home. Lord, you know I'm from the ghetto. I am not the kind of person they want as their pastor. I'm not that talented. The only thing I can do is talk. That's all I can do. This is it, people. It doesn't get much better than this. I was like, God, there's so many people. I was thinking about his sister, how she's a far more likely candidate. I was thinking about all kinds of other people I would nominate to be pastor of a church. Not me. I mean, Brian's pretty great. He's awesome, but not me. And I kept telling him that, but here's the thing is that as we give God our little, he makes it into something great. And you may be looking at your life and what God's calling you to do. And you look at it and it seems really small. It seems like you're not talented enough. You're not educated enough. You're not from the right neighborhood, the right background. But let me just tell you this, that if God's calling you to do it, it's because he's about to multiply your little and make it worth something great. Don't ever question God because what you have seems small. Great things come from small places. Great things happen with just a little. Just give God what you have, and he will take care of the rest. So the next thing I want you to write down, this is the final thing, is there is no such thing as being unknown to God. In God's kingdom and his economy, there's nobody that's unknown. God knows exactly where you're at. Now, think about this. I think God's so amazing because we can't even number how many fish are in the sea. But God goes through such detail that he says he knows the very numbers of hair on your head. Now, I love my kids, and I can tell you all their little freckles and their little birthmarks, but I can't tell you how many hairs they have on their head. Now, God always shows me his faithfulness because of the little things he does that he doesn't have to do. Now, if God would go through the detail of numbering the hairs on your head, how much more is he going to take care of what you need? The financial miracle you need, the job breakthrough that you need, the physical healing that you need, your husband getting set free of an addiction, that family member coming back to God. God is always able, and there's no such thing as being unknown or unnamed in God's kingdom. Think about this. The Bible tells us that she's the widow of Zarephath. We never find out her name. Elijah lives with her for three years, and he never says, yo, girl, what's your name? What's your name? He never even asks her her name. And Jesus, when telling his first message, doesn't even name her. He just calls her widow of Zarephath. She was a Gentile woman, nobody of great significance, but yet God did something big in her. I'll just challenge you that when we read through this story, we can see why God was faithful to, the, to Elijah, but it's hard for us to get why he was faithful to the widow. And I think a lot of times we rank God. Like I tell you stories about how God's been faithful for me, and you go, oh, that's great because she's a pastor. And, and sometimes we think that pastors are, like, closer to God than everybody else. There's, like, the pastor, the worship leader, the kid's pastor. But it doesn't work that way. 
And if God would have stopped the story about how he provided for the prophet, but not for somebody else, I would have still been encouraged. But it encourages me that he's no respecter of persons. And even a person that seemed unnamed and not really significant, she didn't have a big ministry, she wasn't doing a big thing for God in the natural, but yet God thought of her enough to do something great in her life. Let me just tell you, friend, God knows exactly what you need, and he wants to do something great in your life. There's no need too big, and there's no need too small. At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Church RC. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com.